For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1 verse 21. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Father, please bless me as I bring forth your word. Please um, guide me to speak truly, and please use my words to build up your faithful people in the knowledge of you and of your salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to begin with um, a thesis that might not sit right at first, but I invite you to consider which is that in this verse, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, um, St. Paul is speaking somewhat uniquely about himself, which indicated really by those opening words, for to me, speaking about himself, that he's speaking about himself who is one who is um, very ripened in the Christian life and mature. And that when we read this passage, <clears throat> the thing I want to suggest is, <clears throat> sorry, Ah, these full allergies. Um, is that we too quickly, because the word is me, we immediately just leap to reading ourselves into it. Oh yeah, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And don't really investigate, do those words really describe me? Um, and I'd like to add to the end of that sentence, yet. Do they describe me yet? Wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Total submission to the will of God. That's what this, um, these verses the heart they're spoken out of. In fact, Paul can only say, St. Paul can only say, to die is gain, because he can also say with integrity, to live is Christ. The two statements are connected. So with both of these statements, to live is Christ and to die is gain, I want to trace what I perceive to be almost like a ladder of growth in the Christian life up to those statements on which Christ has us on that ladder but which, we, which I think for most of us, we're still not yet at, as it were, the top rung that St. Paul is speaking from. And I paint this so that our words would have um, a greater degree of reality, and our own self-assessment would also have a greater degree of honesty. Okay, so to live as Christ, to die as gain. So um, picture with me kind of like a four, four incremental stages, the top stage of which is to say to live is Christ. Um, at the very bottom rung, we could describe someone who we wouldn't really call a Christian, who is aware that Christ exists, right? They, they to live aware of Christ, you know, but really no more knowledge of him than the demons have, right? That he exists, the end, right? Which is um, not even yet a state of salvation. It's actually a, still the lost state. Um, above that, the second rung, to live aware of Christ, to live for Christ. And this is sort of crossing the threshold of salvation, the threshold of the beginning of the Christian life, of wanting no longer to live just for oneself, but to live for Christ, like beginning to orient your life towards him. But still, I think um, so many of the early stages, as I recognize them in my own life and the lives of other Christians, there's this idea of like, I'm going to do something for Jesus. And so often, even standing on a fleshly, an earthly foot, like with this sort of, with my own works, with my labor, I'm going to do stuff for Jesus, living for him. Um, and yet, it isn't yet the fullness of real relationship with him, which would characterize sort of this third rung in this four-stage schema that I'm wanting to suggest. The third rung being living with Jesus. And this is the mark of the beginning of the mature Christian life, of which I know most of you 
um, already enjoy and participate in, living with Christ in the midst of the day, right? recalling his words, praying to him, occasionally having a sense of his presence and his speaking, but living with him, not trying to just do stuff for him, but enjoying real relationship, living with Christ. And then the upper rung, the topmost rung, from which St. Paul is speaking, is not just living aware of Christ or for Christ or with us, but actually to live is Christ. It's the strongest possible statement. What he's saying is that the Venn diagram of his life and the Venn diagram of Christ himself are 100% overlapped. But there's no remainder. There's no pocket of his day. There's no tired hours of the evening that are just like he thinks of as his, from which he then returns to ministry or something. His life is, as it were, swallowed up entirely in the life of Christ. That what he loves is what Christ loves. What he hates is what Christ hates. What he labors for is what Christ labors for. And in this way, a lot of the fathers would talk about St. Paul as in a way being sort of like a a mini-Christ, not in saving the world, but in his imitation of Christ in doing only what God the Father says to do and saying only what God the Father says to say. To live is Christ. That's the goal. And we should set that. One of the things I love about the way our Anglican tradition frames the Christian life is it isn't this sort of static thing that is turned on when you first come to faith and then you just kind of hum along in forever. There's this sense of growth and pilgrimage and joy of, yeah, none of us, I, well, I can't judge your soul, but um, we, most of us, we still aspire to grow into the likeness of Christ, into the likeness of the saints who imitated Christ, like St. Paul. To be able to say, when we are very old and frail and only have gray hairs, uh, or no hairs, to say, yeah, to live is Christ. What, what bliss that would be to be able to say that we'd so sought Christ and his spirit and his will, to be able to say with integrity, just like St. Paul, to live is Christ. There's no remainder. That's the goal. So by saying that this is sort of describing Paul and not each of us already by default isn't to be a discouragement, but an encouragement, that there we have room to grow in our life in Christ. And that excites me. That it's not just some static thing that we're, God has us on a growth track. I, last weekend, as you know, I was in um, Hawaii um, on a, teaching the priests there on their retreat. I was their retreat speaker. And many of them are in church planting settings. And the main point I want to drive home is that um, God works far slower than our sort of contemporary market expectations. Like you start a business, you should be profitable in five years. You know, this sort of like this go get them speed but that God shows us by how the speed in which he's made the world, his much more patient time schedule. Um, And I used the example of a tree. A tree, you wouldn't call a tree mature for at least 30 years, right? And then really in terms of when a tree's in its full glory, a lot of species, maybe not even for like 80 or 100 years. And the churches, we should think on tree time, decades, whoever plants a church, it won't be till their successor's successor where that church is in full ripeness. And that similarly in the Christian life. You know, we think, oh, well, I labored really hard for the Lord for a couple of years, and now I'm, you know, I'm at the top of the, this sanctification process. And this is a lifetime journey. Right? My hope is that when we're all um, in our late 80s and 90s, God willing, God blesses us with that many years, that then we could have a taste of what St. Paul is describing. Ah, oh, to live is Christ to live as Christ. So that's sort of um, unpacking kind of the layers, and I offer that to you as a sort of a tool of uh, self-diagnosis and assessment of where you are and what we're striving towards.
And then it's corollary, to die is gain. Now the tricky thing about this statement, to die is gain, is I think at almost every level of spiritual formation, there is sort of the sense of the truth of these words, but with greater and less degrees of reality. And let me unpack that. Um, there's a way of saying, of thinking that is a gain to die, which is totally delusional. We saw it even in Jonah, the prophet, right? Oh, it'd be better for me to die than to live. He's saying the words to die is gain, but he's wrong, right? He's not embracing the mercy of God. He's not um, trusting God's will. He's pettily pouting about this thing that has grown up. Um, he's wrong about dying being a gain. He's got it up backwards. Similarly today, there are millions of atheists and Buddhists who think, Ah, oh, yes, to die is gain. But we would recognize they're delusional, right? Their, their words are actually wrong in their case, right? It's not a universal thing. To die is not a universal gain for all people. The question is, are you found in Christ? Are you living with Christ? Are you living is to live Christ? Well, then to die is gain, but only then. Otherwise, to die is loss. That's why Jesus speaks so many times about the particular judgment and hell that awaits those who have rejected Christ um, and are not found in him. So there's a way of saying to die is gain, which is just untrue. And, I, and I, what I want to suggest is kind of in the same fourfold son of ladder, that um, the words become increasingly true. But still, the next ladder is, um, I think, and this is true for, I think, a lot of America, a lot of Christians in the West, I should say. There's a sort of um, nominal, kind of lukewarm Christianity that nevertheless, because of the sort of vicissitudes and throes of this life, often we fall into depression and despondency. And the sort of main longing of depression and despair is, oh, I, just, I just want to die. Right? Death would be better than this. Um, but again, it's a delusion. No, actually, if you're living in a sort of willful despair, living in a worldly way apart from the will of God, and that's the root of the despair, that longing for death is also a false longing. Right? It's not true. Look, God is a God of life. Longing for death in a midst of despair, that's not a Christian orientation. That's not the, word, the meaning of St. Paul's words. It's still um, illusory. So the third rung of this um, sort of scale from which Paul at the top is saying to die is gain. Um, the third rung, we actually would have earnest Christians. I know most of all of you are. We're in this set that we rightly recognize that death is a gain because faith will become sight, right? We'll get to like go from not seeing to seeing, right? And to be with Christ, and that is a gain. There's no question. It's an unequivocal gain. And yet, I, I think, and I'm speaking out of my own soul here, I think we can be, as Christians who are still on this pilgrim way, perhaps too quick or too cavalier to be like, oh yeah, to die is gain not fully taking into account all that the Lord says about Judgment Day and coming before his, his um, fear-inspiring presence, right? Our God who is a consuming fire, who tells us that in multiple places in the Old and New Testament, every thought, word, and deed is going to be brought into light for judgment in the presence of all the all-seeing God and all the angels and the whole company of heaven, and everything will be salted as with fire. Jesus says that. And then St. Paul, speaking in the Spirit of Christ, says... Um, everything will pass through fire. There's going to be this incredible scrutiny of our lives and this investigation of, do we really have faith? Or do we just, do we just say we have faith? And I think about 
what's to me one of the most frightening parables the Lord tells, or the frightening teachings, when he says, many will come to me on judgment day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And say, I, I never knew you. Right? And so those people in that parable, presumably they thought to die was gain also, and yet judgment day was not favorable to them. So I think even for we Christians, pilgrims along the way, it might be better to have patience and say, Lord, I actually want to live for a few more years, not, in the, not speaking in this way that St. Paul does, but to say that you would deepen my faith, that you would add seriousness to my repentance, that you would enlarge my love for you and for your people and for the world, which is what we prayed in the collect. And to not be so hasty to be like, yeah, yeah, bring me to the final exam. I'm ready. Judge me, Lord. I think we're a bit presumptive in our sort of Christian instincts today in the way that when you read Christians of the past, they weren't presumptive in the same way. They had a greater degree of that holy fear and trembling about the judgment seat of God. To say, Lord, I, I trust in you alone for salvation, but I'm still tentative to come into judgment. Like we see in, in, in substance in the book of Hebrews. Right? Paul has to encourage the Christians, like, be bold, come before him, which reveals that their instinct was like, ah, I'm not sure about this, right? this holy hesitation about coming before the judgment seat. We have faith that it will, it will end happily. We have faith that we will have an eternity of salvation with God. But the means are harrowing. Judgment is described as a harrowing, a holy fire. So that's the um, sort of the third rank of this process. St. Paul is speaking from a life lived at this point for um, almost 40 years a faithful following of Christ to the point where he can say to live is Christ. To be 100% ready for Christian death because your life is 100% lived already for Christ. To come before God with a humility that's been perfected by suffering. It's what the great theme of Philippians is, this embracing of Christian suffering. Or I should say it's among the great themes of Philippians. To have a heart that's been made more and more Christ-like in its incredible love for God and for the salvation of souls. To have that confidence in the Lord, that assurance of faith, to be able to say, to die is gain. To die is gain. What Paul is describing from his sort of deg the degree to which his life was sanctified, God's given us as a vision to which we all can hope and aspire by the power of the Holy Spirit that by leaning and trusting him day by day, by seeking his face more earnestly day after day, month after month, that God will do that same salvation work he did in the murder of Saul to bring him to this place of total confidence before God, he would do that same work in us. It's his work in all of us as Christians. And that's a work that is not yet complete for most of us, and yet God will bring to completion in his goodness, and that we can hope for and collaborate with by yielding our will to his, by seeking him, by seeking to live for him, that we can have confidence as we die in him. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen. <laughs>